You know, Kelly, a recent poll has shown that a fifth of Americans cannot locate the United States on a map. Why do you think that is? I personally believe that U.S. Americans are unable to do so because um, some people out there in our nation don't have maps. And uh, I believe that our education, like such as uh, South Africa and uh, the Iraq everywhere, like such as, and I believe that they should, uh, our education over here in the U.S. should help the U.S., uh, uh, should help South Africa. It should help the Iraq and the Asian countries. So we will be able to build up our future for us. Wait, what? Extra, extra, read all about it. Podcast tackles controversies that define your world. Listen to Indubitably now. Extra, extra, read all about it. Kelly, are you prepping for a beauty pageant or something? Josh, please tell people where that intro is from so they don't think I actually talk like that. (laughs) I'm just going to leave it. Okay, fine. Kelly was taking one for the team there and giving the same answer that a contestant in the 2007 Miss USA competition gave when asked that question. Although Kelly isn't wearing an evening gown as she answers it. Don't tell people that. Give them the illusion that I record all of our podcasts in like full sequence. Mm, and I'm I'm full tuxedo here. Sure. Indubitably. <laughs> but more importantly, why does that matter? Pageants focus on the intellect and personality of their contestants, not their looks, right? <laughs> right. That is just one of the questions that we'll be covering today as we tackle the topic of beauty pageants and whether or not they're a positive influence on their participants or society as a whole. We'll be covering pageants themselves, as well as some discussion comparing them to other maybe similar types of competitions for both adults and perhaps even more controversially, children. Yeah, definitely controversy on that front. I suppose that the first question we should ask here is what you alluded to. Are beauty pageants just about beauty? Well, does what it says on the tin, right? <laughs> you wouldn't call them beauty pageants if that wasn't an element, right? Fair. And there's a sub-question of whether being just about beauty is necessarily even a bad or good thing, but let's tackle what they value first and then how we feel about it afterwards. So are beauty pageants just about beauty? Ostensibly, no. Most beauty pageants now often have talent portions or current events questions like I so eloquently answered at the beginning of the show. So eloquently. So eloquently. There are other things that are components of pageants now that expand it beyond just being about beauty, probably because people started to bristle at the idea of it being exclusively about appearance when pageants became more prevalent in the 20th century. So they do get asked questions about current events, but they're only given 20 seconds for answers, which, again, is where our intro came from. Uh, To be fair, the girl that answered that didn't win. So there's that. Sounds like she could have done with some individual event experience in her speech and debate programs in college and high school. (laughs) But 
Okay, despite that, there are some strong arguments to suggest that beauty pageants are just about looks. Originally, there were literally point breakdowns for the parts of a woman's body when they were in these various, let's be real, this is probably for the swimsuit competition. They would get five points for their head construction. They would get five points for their limbs. They would get three points for their torso. A little bit problematic there. It sounds a little like cuts of meat, like those diagrams of a cow where they have all the dotted lines and this is where the London Royal lives. It's worth four points. <laughs> or when I go to Whole Foods, I was like, I want that steak right there. The one with the extra marbling. Oh, well, that's kind of the opposite of what most beauty pageants are looking for. And another argument, Donald Trump owned Miss USA from 1996 to 2015. So let's be real. I think he was also pretty gross during a lot of that, too. <laughs> so that's an argument against participating is getting out of his proximity. Some of the contestants certainly had some complaints about the exact same incidents that he seemed to enjoy quite a lot. Gross. The other argument that would suggest that beauty pageants are about beauty is that everyone in them is beautiful. Although, to be fair, there are a lot of really good looking people in the world. And newsflash, some of them also happen to be really smart. I don't know. Jury's still out on whether people can possess both looks and a brain. <laughs> Kelly, I'm surprised you're saying that because. Women in particular, when they're good looking, I think have to deal with getting reduced down to just their looks, which is obviously something that's very problematic. That's often true. It's very delegitimizing in a lot of contexts for a woman to try to assert her intelligence or skill in a particular thing and then, you know, be dismissed because of, of her looks. I'm not entirely convinced, though, that beauty pageants actually combat that. I think that the overwhelming emphasis is still on beauty and the talent and current events portions are there to give it an appearance of being more comprehensive, but it's not really that big of a contributing factor. Mm. That might be the case now, but having a bunch of attractive women on stage wearing evening gowns and swimsuits doesn't necessarily have to be a negative objectifying thing. What if more weight was given to intelligence? What if they gave them more than 20 seconds to answer these questions, etc.? Well, then you'd have to deal with the idea of whether people would tune into a pageant that did that. That's true. Although, in researching for this episode, if you type in, you know, answers at beauty pageants, the first responses that you get are like 20 dumbest answers for a beauty pageant. And, you know, to be fair, we did start our episode with one. But there were also some examples of really good answers and, and really intelligent, successful, entrepreneurial, humanitarian individuals that are engaging in these pageants. So there's both out there. Oh, for sure. Beauty pageants, the type of women who participate in them, I feel are definitely looking to assert more than just being a beautiful person. And they do a lot to edify themselves. They take on all of this additional knowledge to prepare themselves for current events questions. They strive to become both a personality that participates in these types of pageants and not just somebody who can like wear a swimsuit. There are certainly 
those that are there to win the swimsuit competition, but there are also some of them that are there for, and this would be an argument in favor of beauty pageants, the intellectual side of things, looking for a scholarship. One of the biggest selling points of the Miss America pageant, at least according to them, is the number of scholarships that they provide to participants every year. That is an attractive feature of a beauty pageant is the possibility of having some sort of financial winnings come from it, especially going towards college. A lot of these are young women who are actively in college who are participating in these pageants. However, it's pretty expensive to get into a pageant in the first place. And you don't just go from nothing and go to the Miss America pageant. You have to compete in local and regional and state pageants, all of which are extremely expensive to register for, all of which require buying all of these fancy custom dresses and doing all the beauty prep that you have to do with salons. And I don't know if that actually translates into a profit, so to speak. They don't have the, uh, I just woke up like this contestant. They don't have the wearing $10 Walmart sweatpants category because I would so ace that one. You'd probably crush the nail polish part of it. Yeah. If, if they zoom in that closely and look at nails, my cuticles are a mess though. So that would probably get me disqualified. And it also is an argument against the cost that goes into <laughs> preparing for the pageant if people knew how much you spent on nail polish. I just spent $72 today. Mm, You better get that scholarship. (laughs) Thankfully, tuition is no longer an issue for me. The Miss America pageant is the largest provider of scholarships exclusively for women in the world. And it claims to offer $45 million worth of scholarships. And we talk on the show every once in a while about our inspiration in terms of shows. Uh, one that I personally have mentioned a lot is Radio Lab as a podcast I like a lot. Another show that I like a lot and we draw inspiration from is Last Week Tonight with John Oliver. And he did a little bit of research into this claim of $45 million a year. Guess what he found out, Kelly? That it won't even cover an entire semester at Yale. <laughs> well, he found out that in actuality, The Miss America pageant gives, in terms of real money, no more than $4 million a year. Still a lot of money, but nowhere close to the $45 million mark that they put out there that they brag about. How can they claim such a discrepancy? How can they claim to give away that much money in scholarships if they clearly aren't? Because they're better with their words than some of the contestants in the pageant. They use shady wording and business practices to fudge the number a little bit. I have a couple examples for you. One, there will be schools that partner with the pageant. They'll add all those schools up. So for example, you live in Tennessee. There's eight different schools in Tennessee that are partnered with the pageant. And if you were to add up the tuition of those eight schools, they take that total amount, say that they offer a scholarship for that, when in reality... You know, you can only go to one school at a time. There's a discrepancy right there. I see. Their tactic is to confuse people like me who cannot follow numbers. Oh, okay. Well, then I got more numbers for you. Great. They've got eight universities when you can only go to one, but they also look at the number of girls who could go to any particular university and throw that number out there as the potential scholarships that they offer. Let's say 
Troy University has a tuition of $54,000 over the course of four years. There's 48 contestants that all could potentially take this scholarship for Troy University. 54,000 times 48 is $2.592 million. So they can say that they've offered two and a half million dollars. Guess how many of those 48 women went to Troy University? I've never even heard of Troy University. I don't anticipate many of them went there. Well, if your answer is higher than zero, you're wrong. I am frequently wrong when it comes to math. Zero of them went there. So, Kelly, all right, you're bad at math. Hmm. Here's a test for you. Hmm. What is 54,000 times zero? Zero. I got that one. (laughs) Good. Okay. Well, there you go. Then you know that the 2.5 million that they offer is 2.5 million more than the zero that they actually gave away. So this is how we go from $45 million offered to, in reality, only $4 million being given away. They need to change their language from offer $45 million to granted $4 million, and then they would seem less like liars. Mm, okay, so they are kind of lying, and that is a knock against Miss America and beauty pageants in general, but what's important is the statement that I made earlier that is still true. Despite all this, the Miss America pageant still gives away more money than any other scholarship in the world that's provided exclusively to women. There's probably not a ton that provide exclusively to women anymore. Okay, fair, but that's certainly not a knock against Miss America, though, if they're the one of the few that offer a scholarship like this. So that is a positive of the pageants. New life tactic is to become incredibly wealthy, which means I might have to play the capitalism game, which will be gross. Mm. But I want to be the number one supplier of scholarships actually granted, (laughs) not just offered, to exclusively women. And it'll be on criteria that I like, which might be like, how good is your manicure and how nice are you to cats? And what are you going to do to solve world hunger? That's for them to answer. In order to get their scholarships. (laughs) Regardless, though, if we would like to be in a world where there are more organizations offering more money to women, right now it is Miss America. And so fudging the numbers as they are, focused on superficial things as they are, they definitely have a right to claim some benefit out there in the world. Another benefit I think that we can look to is a unique benefit from international competitions. I'm thinking of specifically Miss Universe. In 2021, the winner of the Miss Universe competition was Harnaz Sandhu from India, whose mother was a successful gynecologist. And Harnaz herself is an advocate for women's rights to education and freedom of choice. She has a degree in information technology and is pursuing, or was pursuing, completed now, a master's in public administration. Coming from a country that might have more challenges in regards to women's rights, the Miss Universe pageant is an opportunity to break stigmas for the women that participate in it. And I think that that's a unique benefit. Also, the Miss Universe costumes, their national costumes, 
Mm -hmm. are always incredible. And better than swimsuits when it comes to feminism. I highly recommend looking up their national costumes every year on YouTube. It's pretty great. (laughs) Using this example, the Miss Universe from India said, quote, my mom is a gynecologist. So I grew up talking about my period with no shame. And I always had access to the products that I needed. But that is not the case for more than 500 million people who experience period poverty around the world. And so, yes, Harnaz Sandhu is gorgeous. Yes, she's in a beauty competition. Yes, she is probably judged in large part on that beauty. But taking that and using it has given her access and the ability to pursue greater good and some more substantial or more tangible rights in the world that she wouldn't have had the opportunity to without beauty pageants like this. And that's a frequent reason that people go into pageants and validate the purpose of them is that, yeah, it costs a lot of money to participate. And oftentimes the prizes that you get from the pageant themselves are not really that great. But the platform that you get out of it, the ability to speak publicly on whatever issues are the ones that you're most passionate about, or, you know, in some cases, it's a huge career opportunity in the future. But if you have something to advocate for, there's very little platforms other than things like Miss Universe that can rocket people to public discourse in such a way if they come from countries that are maybe a little more marginalized than others. Mm -hmm. And so what we might think of as a regressive competition at first is contributing to progressivism in the world. At the same time, there are still some outdated rules in these competitions. For example, Miss America required participants to not be and never have been married or pregnant, and they were required to stay that way through their reign if they had won. And this year is actually the first year that Miss Universe will be expanding its eligibility to allow married women or women with children to compete in a shift away from those rules. Well, then it's not really Miss Universe anymore, is it? Oh, 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 boycott Bud Light. (laughs) And I think that these competitions, they sort of put this label out there that they're trying to find the ideal woman. And they claim that it's a woman for other women to look up to. But some of these rules seem like a very male standard for what the ideal woman would be. You know, we want, me speaking for the typical chauvinist male, we want a pure woman that hasn't been sullied yet by other men. And that's an important part of being eligible to be the ideal woman. Knock me over with a feather that a lot of these competitions, which are tied to corporate interests and owned by men, have an element of the male gaze involved. (laughs) I'm so stunned right now. (laughs) So while there are some areas that obviously still need improvement, there is certainly an argument that pageants showcase more than just the contestants' looks. But even if it is just or mostly just about looks, is that necessarily a bad thing? Not necessarily, no. There are plenty of people who take a lot of pride in their appearance and find it very validating to be given accolades based on their appearance. And 
it's only demeaning if the people who are involved feel that it is demeaning to be evaluated that way. There are plenty of people who find it empowering, find it enriching of their entire personal experience in life to be told that they are beautiful. And that's probably not something that we highly value, but that doesn't mean that it's inappropriate for other people to find that valuable within themselves. Yeah, if you have the right attitude about it, an experience that one person might find demeaning, somebody else might find empowering. And to deny them of that avenue does seem like a little bit of an overreach. Like, let them decide for themselves if it's something that they want to engage with or whether they think that they will feel better of themselves afterwards. And beauty pageants are not the only place where people get evaluated on their body and can have a very positive relationship with their body and that evaluation. There are other professions like modeling, which can go hand in hand with pageantry. And then there's also sex work where people have often felt like, oh, that's so horribly demeaning to be paid for XYZ physical characteristic. But some people who engage in sex work find it very liberating. And it's something that puts them in better touch with their identities and their bodies. And we're embracing that in this era of feminism. So why not also embrace the empowerment that comes from pageants themselves? Certainly there's parallels to things like modeling. And also, if you want to cross, you can keep this within women and you can also cross the gender gap and look at men too. It's similar to sports where we did an episode about the NFL and we talk about how athletes, whether that be men in the NFL or any of the women in the variety of the women's sports that are out there, again, they're being paid, judged, criticized based on their bodies and the performance and oftentimes the look of their bodies to be even more direct a specific sport i know some people will argue with me here but bodybuilding for example a bodybuilding competition could be seen as very demeaning very superficial or again it could be seen as very empowering for the people involved i don't think many bodybuilders are out there on stage thinking how horrible it is that somebody else is judging a physique that they've worked hard to gain and they feel positively about being judged and the work that they put into it appreciated by an audience or by judges. Similar to bodybuilding, beauty pageants lack a lot of the things that we decry about judging people based on appearances. Most of the time that people are competing in bodybuilding or in beauty pageants, they're presenting an idealized form of their body. They have worked very hard to get to a state that they are presenting in those avenues. So the effort that goes into both of those things kind of validate more so that it can be uh, judged by others because it is an expression of the work that has been put into getting to that level of performance. Mm -hmm. This might sound cliche, but I don't think that they're necessarily presenting a snapshot or photograph of themselves, but they're presenting a journey all of the work that they put into to get to that place that they are. And no, yeah, I I don't think many people are going to feel bad about putting the hard work, the sweat, the blood, the tears, as the saying goes, out in the open and and having people look and appreciate that. I mean, unless they're bringing out calipers and actually measuring women's skulls in beauty pageants, that would be a little, I think, demeaning. Most of the time they are looking at 
a shellacked version of these women and not the really organic presentation. I have another competition that I think is analogous that might seem strange at first, but this has always been uh, maybe a pet peeve or, or at least a curiosity of mine. I think that debate competitions, us as debaters, or just intellectual competitions in general, also fall into the same category. Like I've, I've always wondered why it's unacceptable to judge the physicality of a person, but it is okay to judge the intelligence of a person. It just seems very elitist to me. But we have so much control over how intelligent we are. Mm. That, that was sarcasm. <laughs> we, we often don't. We are not always naturally adept at certain intellectual activities. And some people don't succeed because it's just not something that clicks with the way that their brains work. But some of those people might be very talented physically. And at a certain point, it's what you happen to be born with. If you've taken that talent, whether it's physical or intellectual, and you've cultivated it and you've worked at it, you're going to have a desire to compete at it. And you're going to have a desire to be the best at it. And I think that another place that this shows up is white collar workers judging blue collar workers, people who go to university judging people that go to trade school, right? Just in general, I think that there's a criticism of the intellectual elite looking down on other people that use their bodies to make a living or to compete in beauty pageants, sports, etc. People that use their brains see themselves as superior to people that use their bodies. And I'm, I've never really been sure why one is deemed admirable and the other is objectifying. And it's backfiring on everybody, too. The captains of industry and their white-collar jobs are now having to pay like out the ass for, for people in the trades because there are fewer people who are going into the trades. And yet, the trade work still needs to get done. I had to do it all over again. I don't know if there's a trade I would be like adept at, but it would have probably been a very good idea to become like a journeyman electrician or something. Uh, you don't have the same tuition burden as going to like the traditional school college experience. And you know, the hourly pay is not bad. <laughs> so at a certain point, you can decide whether you're being harmed or you're benefiting from your training for and competing in these various activities. You can decide ways in which you would like to pursue financial profit slash status and the ways in which you want to allow others to do the same with your efforts, whether that be pageant owners, sports league owners, advertisers, etc. But I feel like the defense that we've been making for a lot of these things so far is, hey, it's a choice to participate in it. If you feel as though it's empowering, then you should engage in it. And if you feel objectified, then you shouldn't. All of these decisions require agency. And that brings us to the second half of the episode where we move away from adult competitions and we start talking about youth competitions, the children beauty pageants. Because obviously, children don't have this agency that we've been using as a defensive pageant so far. So how do we defend beauty pageants now when it comes to children? Well, we have to defend them a little bit because I have a second place 
ribbon from being in a baby beauty contest. Second place. And I'm still bitter about, I have no recollection of this whatsoever. I was not cognizant at the time, but yeah, they're putting children as young as infants into pageants. And that is uh, definitely a person with very little to no agency when you're an infant. You know that second place is the first loser. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I'm quite aware. I'd rather not know that I was even in the pageant than know that I was unsuccessful in the pageant. I wonder how many kids there were. I don't know. I, I should ask my parents. They probably don't even remember doing it. Three kids. <laughs> oh, Jesus. You're, don't be mean. <laughs> I was an adorable child. <laughs> so we can't bring up these child beauty pageants without also talking about the show Toddlers and Tiaras. Have you watched this? I've caught clips here and there. I think everybody in our age group is familiar, at least tangentially, with Honey Boo Boo and the fact that her mother used to feed her like Mountain Dew and with Red Bull in it to get her ready for her pageant days. So, mm. yeah, pretty gross. Speaking of ridiculous things that parents do, mm. I've got a game for you, Kelly. Okay. We are going to play... True or false, or real or fake, I'm going to give you headlines and or quotes from the show Toddlers and Tiaras. Some are true, some are made up, and you're going to try and guess which is which. Did you make up the fake ones? I did. Okay. All of them. That helps me figure this out a little bit better. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. I'll be surprised if you get all of these correct. Mm -hmm. Number one, Brooke and Kaylee. At the Lollipops and Gumdrops pageant. I think that's a real one. That is a real headline. All right, one for one. I've got five. Mom waxes her nine-year-old daughter's eyebrows. I'm inclined to think that that might be real because I don't think that you think much about waxing eyebrows. So coming up with that organically seems unlikely. But I bet you looked at a lot of other topics to come up with your fake ones. <sighs> I think this might be a fake one. No, this is real. Oh, geez. They had a video of the mom just like the child screaming as the mom or the waxer. I don't know what they're called. Was tearing the tape off of the eyebrows. Esthetician. That's the one. If you do it right, it doesn't really hurt that bad. I think that kid was a wimp. Wow. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I haven't had it done, so I don't know. <laughs> Number three. Four-year-old little diva that bites other beauty pageant contestants. I don't know. I feel like the fact that a kid is biting another kid seems to like click with your style a little bit. <laughs> it does. I'll give you that. But um, shit, is this one real too? This one is real. So far, all three are real. All right. For number four, I've got a quote. You're not a stripper, but shake your butt a little bit. I'm guessing this one's real, too. This one is real also. All right, last one. Toddlers fake tan to look like Beyonce. Not only do I think this is real, I think it's very wrong of you to trick me like this and make me think you came up with any of these on your own. <laughs> this is real. They're all real. It's crazy. I didn't come up with any fake ones. Also, genius move on my part. You totally fell for it. I fell for it a little bit. So, okay, really quickly, I'm gonna go through them one more time. Brooke and Kaylee at the Lollipops and Gumdrops pageant. What the fuck? 
Number two, mom waxes her nine-year-old daughter's eyebrows. Four-year-old little diva bites other beauty pageant contestants. This was my favorite. You're not a stripper, but shake your butt a little bit. And toddlers fake tan to look like Beyonce. We have an episode on cultural appropriation, by the way. All these are real things that happen in children beauty pageants. I don't want to ask this question, but I feel like I'm required to as a surrogate for the listeners. Why is the you're not a stripper, but shake your butt a little bit your favorite? Because it's the most ridiculous. I watched the clip of it and the mom was just so proud of herself. That I think was what made it my favorite in a in a weird sort of I'm better than these people way. Yeah. Watching a show like that or even seeing clips from that or other types of shows where children compete really puts a microscope on the parents and how fucking weird they are. All right. So here's our challenge. Why are children's pageants good? It seems very evident that pageants might have some negative elements for kids. But there might actually be some good that can be garnered by children who participate in them. And it's actually a motivating reason for a lot of parents to have their children test out a pageant environment. For starters, if a kid is an extreme introvert and hasn't really developed the confidence to speak in front of other people, pageants have the environment where they have to do that sort of thing. It can function, I guess, a little bit as an exposure therapy where you have to get up in front of people and get over some of that internal fear and and actually speak and perform in front of people who you don't know. Okay, that's fair. And also, I think that kids in any activity, I'm not sure this is unique to beauty pageants, but just being involved in an activity with other kids does also help socialization with the kids in that same group. Yeah, I went to my niece's soccer game this morning um, and it was a, you know, bunch of seven year olds running the wrong direction. Most of the time wasn't like the best soccer game I've ever seen in my life. But the kids all high five each other and hug and bond over the fact that they're participating in the same activity with each other, which can be a very um, camaraderie building experience. But that's a good point. You talk about soccer, you talk about debate, et cetera. So it makes you wonder if we can get these benefits without the harms that seem to be unique to beauty pageants. If we're going to throw our kids into something, let's throw them into something that doesn't end up in them biting. Although I suppose soccer, they might bite the other players on the field. I've never seen anybody in debate bite another person. No, but I've heard some stories. I I think that the harms that you're identifying in pageants that exist for children might be unique to pageants, but I don't think that they're necessarily inherent. Reality television, of course, kind of thrives on amplifying a lot of these situations that are probably not super common. And yeah, in every activity, there are toxic parents who ruin it for everybody else. I bet that there are plenty of well-adjusted kids who participate in pageants with like very reasonable parents and parents who, as soon as they recognize that a kid may not enjoy it anymore, or they're not getting much out of it, would say, okay, we've tried that activity. Let's go do like jazz dance instead now. Speaking of things that are unique harms or benefits to children's beauty pageants, I came across a term online researching for this, flippers. Are you familiar with this? Do you know what this is? (laughs) Yeah, sure do. Do you want to tell me what this is? Because I didn't have the time to look into it. Is it a dolphin? 
Uh, unfortunately, no, it has nothing to do with swimming whatsoever, which would be fun and cool. Flippers. So children who compete in beauty pageants are often going through losing their baby teeth and they can have pretty jacked up smiles because of losing their baby teeth, which is actually pretty adorable if you're looking at the kid as a kid. But what flippers are, are essentially like temporary denture veneer type things that they put into kids' mouths to make it look like they have a full set of teeth. So my niece who's seven is missing all of her front teeth. Can you imagine seeing a seven-year-old with like a full set of like adult teeth mm. and also completely like airbrushed makeup and fully quaffed with curls that go six inches above their head with hairspray? Yeah. You know, one of the things that that struck me as strange right off the bat was when you read about some of these kids, it'll be this particular child is a beauty queen. And just the term queen to me seems strange to apply to like a six-year-old or what you talked about even some toddlers are being put in these beauty pageants it's just indicative of this idea that they're trying to be adults and now they're apparently wearing adult teeth too which is super creepy Mm -hmm. and the waxing of the eyebrows is another thing that most children are really not ready for most children don't really have much eyebrows to speak of in the first place okay you called that girl a wimp though so you can't be sympathetic now Well, no, I'm saying like she probably only had like four hairs ripped out. Not to go into what happens when you're like actually an adult, but that type of waxing is probably like super low stakes. So you talked about experienced public speaking. You talked about help to socialize with kids in the same age group. And all of this just kind of makes me wonder, are these the reasons why parents put their kids in pageants? Or there's the other stereotypes of Are they just living vicariously through their children? Are they using their children as a status symbol? Airbrushing away the imperfections to show that they've got the best kid. It's not necessarily just pageants where this happens, but the toxic parent, the stage parent is a really common element in a lot of activities such as pageants and things like acting or gymnastics or whatever where a parent themselves may have not been able to do that activity, or they did that activity and didn't do super well with it, or they did well enough that it's expected the legacy would go on with future generations. But in some sense, the identity of the parent is tied to whether or not this child engages in the activity and is successful with it. Yeah, Anybody who's been on the sideline of pretty much any sporting competition will see at least one parent who is likely pushing their child past that child's limits and potentially damaging them beyond repair, whether that be physically pushing them to injury or just psychologically or emotionally. So again, it it sort of begs the question, if none of these harms are unique to beauty pageants, are we doing them a disservice by criticizing them individually? There are safeguards that have been put into place in a lot of these avenues to make sure that parents don't overstep. A lot of children's sporting events will have signs posted. These are just kids. They're here to have fun. The the coaches are volunteers. Yelling doesn't actually solve anything, etc. Tennis in particular doesn't actually allow coaching of any sort, coaches or parents during the matches. So the kids are out there competing on their own, which is 
very challenging psychologically in its own right, but at least the parents aren't technically allowed to be yelling at their kids during competition. So there's another example. I just read a celebrity memoir by Jeanette McCurdy, who is a child actress, and the book is called I'm Glad My Mom Died. Ouch, brutal. Well, if you read the book, you can see what exactly her mom was doing to her while she was basically forcing her daughter into acting because uh, she tied so much of the love of her daughter into whether or not the daughter complied with her requests. And it talks a little bit about some of the industry safeguards for children. There's a thing called a Coogan account in child acting where a portion of their earnings is secured and not um, given to them until they're the age of 18 so that parents can't fully drain their bank accounts. But other than that, um, her her mother basically induced anorexia in her when she was like 11. Mm. Um, So where are the safeguards for that sort of thing? It's very quiet. It's very hidden when that sort of thing happens. There were doctors who expressed some concern and she just kind of waved it off and nobody looked into it further. So it's not just beauty pageants. There are numerous children's activities where parents can really be pernicious. We all know the story of Britney Spears. I think that that is applicable here as well. But it's not just sports acting music. This also happens in academics. There's also parents that have the same attitude when it comes to school. So at a certain point, are the competitions the problem or are the parents the problem? Probably a little bit of both. If the, if the competitions don't have safeguards built in to prevent parents from doing these sorts of things, then they're probably just as responsible as the parents who take advantage of a lax situation. Yeah. A, a bad parent is going to be a bad parent and psychologically or emotionally damage their child, whether beauty pageants exist or not. They will find something to put their child into to live vicariously through them. But it feels as though there's something specific about pageants that put so much emphasis on image and surface level traits that make them seem to be particularly harmful. And there's certainly examples to back that up. Just last year, the winner of the 2019 Miss USA pageant, Chesley Christ, jumped to her death from her apartment building in Manhattan. And Chesley, as a child, she had watched her mother compete and win beauty pageants, joined her at speaking engagements before she went on to win the first competition of her own as a senior in high school. Then it was during law school that she decided to enter pageants again in hopes of using the winnings to pay for her tuition, as we mentioned earlier. That was just three years ago at the age of 28. And then she died at 30. I think it was an important age for her because she wrote an article for Allure magazine titled, A Pageant Queen Reflects on Turning 30. In it, she wrote, I discovered that the world's most important question, especially when asked repeatedly and answered frankly, is why? Why earn more achievements just to collect another win? Why pursue another plaque or medal or line item on my resume if it's for vanity's sake rather than out of passion? Why work so hard to capture the dreams I've been taught by society to want when I continue to find only emptiness? 
And I think that we need to point out that her suicide was certainly not directly tied to her participation in pageants, but the criticism of image and superficiality that are levied regularly against those competitions certainly seem to be hinted at in her writings here. And we don't want this episode to get too dark, but Chesley was not the only case of suicide last year. Talia Posey, pageant winner and former star of Toddlers and Tiaras, also took her own life. And for those of us who are a bit older, we might remember the case of JonBenet Ramsey. She was a six-year-old beauty queen who was killed in Boulder, Colorado, a crime that is still not and probably won't ever be solved. But the fact that she was a beauty queen, a pageant entrant at the time, seems to be central to the motivation behind the case, depending on which theory you're looking at. Hmm. Yeah, so for all of the glitz and glamour on stage and some of the benefits that its participants have enjoyed off of it, there is most definitely a dark side to the world of beauty pageants. The question is, do these tragic cases undermine the competitions as a whole? Right? Is there a way to grab onto the good that they can do, the positive impacts that they can make on lives and society while avoiding some of the horror stories? Or do we need to ban them for kids or altogether? I find it interesting that our inclination when we identify an issue that overwhelmingly seems negative with how it's applied currently our urge is to say, well, then we should probably just ban it altogether. Because even if there is some good that comes out of it, it seems like there's a lot of bad that comes out of it too. And we should try to just do away with it entirely rather than maybe taking a more nuanced look at it. I guess the, the question is, is that throwing the baby out with the bathwater? Is, is there a way to regulate these competitions for adults or for youth that can maintain some of the benefits? I was really hoping you were going to change the metaphor or whatever it is to throwing the toddler out with the tiara. Oh my gosh, I'm not that clever. <laughs> no, I think that there are definitely some benefits, not only for the adults who participate with you know full knowledge and um, consent in the process, but there are probably even ways for children to participate in a way that isn't particularly damaging for them. We've identified that a lot of the problems that stem from children's beauty pageants seem to come from parents who are not really behaving very well. And so there can be better controls in place to make sure that parents don't do really extreme things like feed their kids tons of sugar and maybe do away with things like flippers altogether. The, the actual industry of children's beauty pageants can start to temper its expectations for children to look like many adults and also try to put some constraints on parental abuse in the system. Mm. Maybe there could be something uh, in terms of standards for judging that ensures trying to make a four-year-old look like an adult is not rewarded in the competition. But like you said, if your kid is missing three teeth, cool. They're going to show up missing three teeth because that's what kids look like. And they're not going to be punished in the judging criteria at this competition. Another thing about this is in the last few years, we've swung so hard away from the idea that it's okay to say a child is pretty or beautiful 
because they should be told that they're smart or creative or strong, but kids can also be told that they are beautiful too. Kids are all beautiful in some aspect or another. I, I know you don't look at a child with wonder like a lot of other people do. Babies are ugly. A lot of children like to be considered beautiful. A lot of little kids like to play dress up and they like to be adored and being in an environment where they get to kind of show off and feel like they're princesses and just, you know, sparkle and glitter a little bit. I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with that. And maybe if they're being evaluated with pretty dresses and the teeth that they have rather than like a fake set of teeth is even more validating for them to like build some of their self-esteem and build things like body positivity and make sure that kids go into puberty without feeling an intense amount of shame, which is how most kids in the, in the U.S. are taught to feel about their bodies. I think these are good ideas, but here's the problem that I see. If you're going to have beauty pageants like Miss America, Miss USA, Miss Universe, the adult pageants, is it possible to keep those around and then at the same time not expect the youth to try to emulate that? These young girls, even the toddlers, even six years old, 10 years old, to look at Miss Universe, just like any sport. If you're a five-year-old that plays basketball, you're going to look at LeBron. You're going to look at Steph Curry, and you're going to want to be them, and you're going to try and emulate them in every way that you possibly can. If you're an eight-year-old that's participating in beauty competitions, you're going to look at Miss America, you're going to look at Miss Universe, and you're going to want to be that. So as long as we have adult beauty pageants out there, do you think that it's possible to impose some of the regulations that we're listing here or some of the just mindset shifts that we think would be healthier on youth, given the the pull of the role models that are out there? The reason that I think people view beauty pageants so much differently than other activities that children engage in, which have like an adult corollary, is because they go automatically from zero to trying to look like Miss America. But if you look at children's soccer, for example, they often play like three on three in a very small field with very small nets. And there's no reason that they can't also grow up to become Megan Rapinoe if they gradually start to become better at each phase of soccer and getting more close to the adult version of soccer over time. Beauty pageants for children don't need to look like beauty pageants for adults yet, but over time they can start to look more like that. I think it's probably pretty appropriate for a girl in high school to do a little bit more of a beauty pageant similar to what they would see with Miss America or Miss Universe. But a four-year-old doesn't need to yet. They can build to that as they start to deepen their understanding of what that actually entails. I think that you might be overestimating the patience of parents. Parents want their kids to be Steph Curry now. Parents want their kids to be Megan Rapinoe now. They don't want to go through this process that you're discussing. If a four-year-old can dunk like Steph Curry out the gates, then I think there's probably some like blubber situation happening. (laughs) It's just, it's not possible yet. And people have to grapple with that reality. Children are too small and too young and not 
mentally there yet for so many of the things that they'll be expected to do in the future. And most people understand you have to build that kind of knowledge and experience over over time. But we, we've been asking what's unique about beauty pageants. Maybe this is one of the things that's unique. You can wax the eyebrows, put on flippers, <laughs> whatever, adult teeth. You can put a fake spray tan, airbrush, etc. a kid and try to make them look as close as possible to an adult, to a queen. And so maybe this is where the harm from beauty pageants come in. You can't make a four-year-old dunk, but you can make a six-year-old put on makeup and dress as if they were an adult. You can because pageant standards allow for that currently. But pageant standards can be changed and they can say things like children below a certain age cannot spray tan. I think that's a reasonable thing to say that maybe small children shouldn't be able to do. I think spray tan chemicals are probably not like super safe for small children. As long as they're still allowed to bite each other. I mean, who can stop them? (laughs) It's actually a good question. Okay, so at the end of this, it sounds as though you're saying keep adult beauty pageants, regulate children's beauty pageants, and good to go? What What is your final stance on this? My final stance is that we're never going to be able to get rid of things like this. So we should encourage it to be the best version of itself it can be and maybe ban the flipper industry altogether. Yeah, it sounds like more of a Halloween industry than a beauty pageant industry. It's pretty horrifying. I don't think you have looked at a lot of pictures of kids with flippers, but it's like nightmare fuel. I have looked at none and I'm hoping to keep it that way. Somehow that's like the industry standard for small children. And it's like very uncanny valley. Where do, where do you land on pageants for children and for adults? Um, I'm good with the adults. You know, I'm, I'm a fan of agency, as we've talked about. You know, if you're an adult, you can make choices for yourself if you think you're being empowered or persecuted. And I support that. The only difficult thing there is if the adult pageants existing are contributing to some of the problems in the kids. As far as the kids go, ah, it's difficult because it is just the parents. I could totally see these pageants being a healthy, educational, growth-oriented activity for kids to engage in, just like dance, just like acting, just like debate. But like all of those activities, finding ways to keep the parents under control is the difficulty. And it just seems as though some of those other activities have done a better job of it. So maybe there is some hope there. Maybe you're right. It can be regulated. If that's the case, keep them. I do see some benefits for it. If the question is beauty pageants in their current form or not, I would probably say ban it for the kids, at least like 16 and under. Yeah. I can see how that might be a reasonable outcome, considering this is so much different than a lot of the other activities we've been talking about. But all the bad parents need to quit it, regardless of what the activity is. That's for sure. We need to regulate it so that parents have to do to themselves anything they do to their kids. And maybe that would calm it down. I think most of the pageant moms are probably doing things like waxing and spray tanning already. That's true. So I don't know how effective that is. They have to wear an extra set of fake teeth over their actual teeth. (laughs) (laughs) 
This is a really difficult topic. Not that any of the ones we tackle are typically easy. And we've mentioned it before at the end of the show here. But for those of you that might have missed it so far, this is one of the reasons why we're really liking the new ways that we have to interact with you on Spotify. The Q&As and especially the polls. You know, we typically give our opinions at the end of each episode, but we're just two people. And it's really useful for us to be able to ask all of you your thoughts on our topics. For this episode, we will have a poll in the Spotify app asking if you think that pageants are a good thing that we should keep, if you think that they should be banned, or potentially if only children's pageants should be banned. You can answer that directly on the episode as you listen. We appreciate you all participating. And if you don't use Spotify, you can always reach us at our socials. We're at Facebook or Twitter at IndubitablyPod. Or you can also email us at indubitablypodcast at gmail.com. We would especially like you to let us know if you're interested in dropping by our live recording on May 13th, 4.30 p.m. Pacific time on the topic of whether we should leave all men behind to perish on a dying earth while we colonize a new planet with entirely women. I'd wager that there won't be many beauty pageants on that new planet. Or maybe if there are, we would give them more than 20 seconds to answer questions. Wow, so intellectual of you all. We'd have to consider the possibility that on a a planet with exclusively women on it, there may not be room for things like drag pageants. Ugh. This new planet is Kelly's personal hell. They could pull a, a Victor Victoria, a woman pretending to be a man, pretending to be a woman. That happens here all the time. There you go. You're set. Too bad that's going to be my side of the debate. You have to say that we're bringing men along. Then there definitely will be drag on that planet. Oh, damn, I just gave you your best argument. I'm only bringing the men that perform in drag and then all of the <laughs> women. The women who don't and who do perform in drag. You just got a lot more comfortable with that side of the debate, didn't you? Definitely. 